been a long time now since uh, this this uh, occurrence that I'm about to tell you about happened in our lives, um, but it will remain with me for much longer. Heather and I were living in Charleston, and this was before we had children, and we owned the left half of a townhome, and a renter, uh, a single woman, lived in the right half. And we had been building a friendship with her, and we'd been sharing our faith and our lives with her, and, and just, you know, being, doing what Christians do. And at one point, she got to a place where she was so interested in, in the gospel, in the Lord in our lives, or some other things, I'm not sure, she was willing to come to church with us. We went on a Wednesday night to a, a neighboring church just for a prayer and praise thing each week uh, where I didn't work just to go and worship. And we said, why don't you come with us? And so she did. But Heather and I arrived early and got a seat about halfway down in, on, the, on the left side. I remember where we were sitting even. And um, our neighbor came in and sat next to us um, right about halfway through the first song. And what they did is they sang like four or five songs, and then they had a scripture teaching, and then there was prayer ministry. And about two more songs into this, I looked over, and she was very disturbed she had tears running down her face. She was visibly uncomfortable, and she just bolted out of the church. You see, this woman had a, um, a number of major problems in her life. One was a, um, a, a drug problem and some substance abuse. Another was in her sexuality, and she just brought a lot of brokenness into that situation. And what I realized right there, and I guess I had forgotten it because I'd grown so familiar with coming to the Lord to be healed, that God's holiness, it disturbs us at first. It repels us before it repairs us. It's the very same thing that qualifies him to be our healer that disturbs us so much. It's that he's holy, that he's other, that he's perfect. And she had come into the presence of holiness and then felt her own brokenness so palpably that she couldn't bear it. And she fled and ran away. I'm resuming, obviously, the series today uh, that got interrupted by the storm. So we're coming back to the idea of Jesus as the ultimate physician. And I want to look at how, how the healing of our Lord happens in our lives. And I guess we're sort of looking at the issue of inadequacy. Because when we come up against or near or encounter the living God, the true God, the God described in the scriptures, we find that he is so different than we are and that we are so inadequate. But if we continue to press in, we learn that his grace is more than sufficient for us. As the apostle Paul heard Jesus himself say, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, our text today is Luke 5, 1 through 11. If you want to turn there, you can follow along. But you may not be aware that this is the first of two accounts where Jesus actually commands them to cast the nets down after a fruitless uh, bit of fishing, only to find their nets full of fish. There are a number of similarities in Luke chapter 5 and John chapter 21. Um, One of the similarities is that Peter is prominent in both of these accounts. Something that's different, though, is that in the first one that we just read, Peter's initial reaction is to, is to want to jump into the water and swim far away from Jesus. And in the second one, his reaction is to actually jump into the water and swim to Jesus. And I want to look at the distinction between these two accounts. And, and hopefully we'll learn some things. <clears throat> now, what happens here for Peter is he has nearness to God but then he has an encounter with God's holiness. 
the crowds were pressing in to hear Jesus. He was famous already. This is early in his ministry. And if you look even at verse 1, it says, the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God. But if you look back at chapter 4, there are a number of things he's already done. It says he's healed many. He's gone out proclaiming. He's been very prominent very early on in his ministry. He had become famous, and they wanted to be near that. I saw a picture this week of one of our parishioners driving Governor Scott around in his truck. There's a photo op, right? Here I am with the governor. And I thought, wow, that's cool. I'm looking forward to hearing a little bit more about that. But there's something about famous people that we want, we want to be near them. We are drawn to them. And the same is true, of course, of Jesus. The crowds, were, they wanted to be near him. They wanted to hear the word of God. They wanted to see who this guy was. They wanted to, to I don't know, we're just attracted to that. There's curiosity. There's intrigue. And Peter was honored with an upfront seat. In fact, here's Peter the fisherman. He's got this famous rabbi in his boat. And he pushes off from the shore so that Jesus doesn't get pushed into the water by the crowd. And he sits down and he starts to teach them. Well, Peter's greatly pleased with this, I imagine. He can sit there too and listen to the rabbi teach and he's in his boat and he can look at the crowd. It's a great, you should come up here sometime while I'm preaching and just kind of watch the people. And it's, a, it's cool. It's a different experience. So that's what Peter's experiencing. And the preacher is preaching. And then it starts to get uncomfortable. The preacher stops preaching and starts fishing. Now, wait a minute. Preachers preach, fishermen fish. Jesus, that's your compartment. This is mine. And the thing about the living God and the holy God is that he tends to spill over into different compartments. You can't just keep him in the church box. He actually comes into other parts of your life. He has an opinion on things other than just what you do when you're in this building. And so he says, hey, put out into the deep and let down your nets. Well, Peter's immediate reaction is, well, one, I'm tired. I've been up all night. Two, there are no fish in this entire sea. And three, I just cleaned my nets. If I drop them down in again, they're going to come up with all that seaweed and I'm going to have to clean them again. Now, to his credit, Peter says, at your word, I will do this. I mean, one of the things that really attracted the crowds to Jesus was that he spoke with authority like they'd never heard before. And Jesus sat there Peter sat there with Jesus and heard how much authority he had and how he described the kingdom of God. And so if he really believed that this man was preaching and teaching with authority, well then you ought to believe what his word says. And he does. At your word, we will do this. And so out they go. Now, um, verse 8 is where the real encounter with holiness happens. In verse 8, after they pull all these fish up and Peter realizes what has occurred. This is not just a good catch. This is something that is miraculous. This doesn't happen. It's so big, it's sinking both of the boats. It's tearing the nets. It's a ridiculously abundant catch. And in verse 8, it says that when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. You see, God's holiness repels us before it repairs us. It repels him. He wants to get away. Depart from me, Lord. Get away from me. Now, the holiness of God means his otherness or his superiority or his moral perfection. He is different than we are in, in so many ways. And that difference exposes us. It exposes our inadequacy, that we are not like that, that we don't have that kind of power or strength or holiness or goodness. We're attracted and we're repelled for the same reason, because we're not like this. 
We're attracted to him because he's different. And then we're, we're pushed away from him because he's different. We feel inadequate. We feel how much different. Now, I don't know about you, but the day after the storm, there were a lot of people that were out there driving around, gawking, looking. We wanted to see, right? It's, it's almost like a, 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 an accident on the highway. We're rubbernecking. We wanted to go and look. And we're, we're attracted to something about it. It's unusual. It's different. It's not maybe like our experience. Now, as the pastor, I had an altruistic purpose for going around and checking on all of you and some of you and seeing your houses. Um, but I have to admit that there's an attraction to it. And then there's a, oh, this is terrible. And in case you're wondering, from my experience, Jim Hawkinson wins the prize for the worst tree through the roof. It's bad. Thanks for insurance, but it's bad. But so, you know, we, we go and we see this thing that's different than our own experience. And, and, then, and then we feel odd about it, right? So, so God is different. He's other than us, and we're attracted to that. And then when we get close to it, we, we realize how different he is. And then, and then we want to pull back. Now, let me take it back over to the, the church thing a little bit. People come to church for a whole number of reasons. There's joy here. The people here are kind. They're welcoming. They're friendly. The music is good. We, we feel a sense of like, this is right. I go to church. It somehow seems to balance my life. You know, I'm all right with the, the big man upstairs, we might say, until he comes downstairs. <laughs> and then we find that he's here. And then, and then we start to get a discomfort. And then we read these stories, but, but then, then the Bible talks about judgment, or it talks about sin, or it talks about things that make us uncomfortable, repentance, our need to change, <clears throat> how inadequate we are. Here's the truth for you. If God doesn't make you uncomfortable at times, you're not walking with God. You may only be walking near God. Peter was near him, and then he was with him and encountered him and encountered his holiness. God will make you uncomfortable at points. This is so true throughout the scriptures. I mean, go back to Genesis 3, right? As soon as Adam and Eve reject God, God goes looking for them, and they're hiding. They're uncomfortable. They're, they feel naked and exposed, and so they, they, they sneak away. Or jump down to Judges chapter 6. We have Gideon. An angel of the Lord comes to Gideon and calls him a mighty warrior and does all this stuff and says what God's going to do through Gideon. And when Gideon goes and prepares a meal and puts it there, the angel then touches it with his finger and immediately it's consumed and the angel disappears as well. Gideon's reaction is fear. I've seen the face of God. I'm an angel of the Lord. I'm in trouble. He's terrified by this. He's not comfortable. It was interesting at first, who is this person coming and calling me a mighty warrior? And now all of a sudden, I'm very uncomfortable with it. Or maybe one of, one of the best is Isaiah's own commissioning into ministry. Isaiah 6, it says um, that he has this vision of the Lord. In the year that King Uzziah died, it starts out. It, Isaiah says, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. Now, if the angels that dwell, the seraphim that dwell in the presence of God, feel the need to cover their eyes with two of their wings, and you are looking, that should be a hint that something is amiss. And so then the angels say, holy, holy, holy. And the entire thing starts shaking. And it's at that point that the encounter with the holiness happens for Isaiah. And you know what he says? 
He's so disturbed by it, he says, I'm undone. Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. All of a sudden, his inadequacy is exposed. That is not a comfortable moment for him. But he's got to be healed. So at first, the holiness of God repels us, but then it repairs us. So in that instance, the angel takes with tongs a hot coal from the altar and goes and touches those unclean lips and makes them clean. He heals him. What we have to recognize about God's holiness is his holiness repels us. Our sin doesn't repel him. He enters into it. So just like with the lepers, when Jesus goes over and touches a man with an infectious skin disease, Jesus doesn't get leprosy. The leper gets healed. When a holy God goes and touches a sinful person, God doesn't become sinful. The person gets healed. That's what happens. It's not a comfortable process, but it's a good one. It's what we need. It's so important. Now, it's at that moment when Peter's on his knees saying, depart from me, depart from me, that Jesus doesn't say, you know, you're right. You're not worthy. In fact, I got in the wrong boat. I'm going to get my own boat. That is not his reaction. He says, don't be afraid. I'm going to make you fish for men. Come and follow me. And they leave everything and they go follow him. So the thing about this is, is that a holy God is able to deal with sinful people. In fact, he invites us into his mission. He, he works with us. He's willing to do that, and he's able to do it because of his holiness. He does amazing things. Now, if you look at the progression of how Peter goes from saying, depart from me, to eventually jumping into the water to swim to Jesus in John 21, we see a number of moments along Peter's progression as he's being repaired. He's moving from being repelled to being repaired, to being healed, to being restored. One of them is a tough teaching in John chapter 6 when Jesus says, my flesh is real food. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And a number of the disciples who were following Jesus said, this is a really tough teaching. Who can, who can follow this? And they deserted him. And Jesus turned to them, and Peter in particular, and said, what about you? Are you going to leave as well? And I think many of you know his answer. He says, where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. And they have come to believe in Jesus. So he believes in Jesus, and he knows that this is what he needs. And so he continues to pursue him. But Peter needs more healing yet. And his big moment of restoration and repair and healing is going to happen when Jesus says, I'm going to the cross. And Peter boldly says, I will even die with you. And then Jesus really does show his inadequacy. He says, Peter, I'll tell you what, you're not going to die with me. In fact, before the rooster crows twice, you'll deny three times that you even know me. And what will happen as Jesus' passion unfolds, as you all know, is Jesus is so utterly alone because everyone else is inadequate. Only he can do this. Only he has to do it for us. Peter rejects him, runs away. When he realizes what's he, what he does, he weeps and he, and he goes away. And Jesus alone goes and does for us what we need to have done. He goes to the cross because he is thoroughly adequate. And he heals us. And he does this for us. And then he follows back up. In John chapter 21, we have the second account of the casting of the net and the miraculous catch. This time, Jesus is on the shore, and the guys are out there in the boat. But he's the resurrected Jesus. He's already gone through the cross, and Peter has come to know how true he is, how holy he is, how good he is. And when he realizes that it's Jesus who says, cast it on the other side, 
immediately when they realize this, Peter jumps in and swims to the shore. He's now swimming to Jesus. He's going to where he knows he needs to be, and he receives healing. You see, holiness repels before it repairs. He's come to the place where he needs to be repaired, and he knows it. Now, back to my friend that went to the church service with us. What I didn't quite realize is I had come through a process over many years of at first being attracted to Jesus and then finding him to be holy and good. And then my own sin was brought out and I ran away and I played a game of kind of hide and seek with God and eventually came to the place where I realized he's, he's the Lord. This is true. I need what he's done for me. I need him to heal me and he loves me. And he's not going to give up on me. And so then I start pressing in more and more. And one of the songs that we were singing in our youth group and and, in and around the church, Daniel will probably remember this song because he was in the youth group I was leading at the time, is a song that that just had a very simple uh, lyric. It said, holiness is what I long for. Holiness is what I need. And then it would say, take my heart and form it. Take my mind, transform it. Take my will, conform it to yours. We We were in the process of regularly inviting God to come and bring his holiness and heal us. But my neighbor had never got, hadn't gotten to that point. And so she just kind of came in unaware to the presence of God in a worship service and was overcome by it and ran away. I don't know. I, I wish I could resolve the story for you like they do on TV, but in, real, in the real world, sometimes we don't know how it resolves. I don't know where she is today. I don't know what's going on, but I've entrusted her to the Lord. I know that he's one who will be persistent The Lord came to seek and save the lost, and he keeps pursuing us. But you see that? At first, we are repelled by it, but then we're repaired by it and healed by it because we see it's out of love that he's willing to go to the cross, and because he is holy and other and perfect, he is able to bear our sin on the cross. He is able to heal us and restore us. So don't settle for nearness. I know folks that say things like, oh, you know, when, when I'm out in nature, I feel God. Well, that may be true, but I think when you're in nature, you feel God's creation, and there's a peace, and it's nice. I agree. I like going out in nature and walking in the woods, and I feel peaceful out there too, but if all you're feeling is peacefulness, I have to wonder, are you feeling the holiness of God or just merely the beauty of his creation? I want to encourage you to not just be near, but to press in for the encounter so that he will transform you. That's what you actually need. That's what I need. Don't settle for nearness. Go for the encounters of the holy. Give God a real invitation to heal you. And, and it's, it has to do, it's, it's not an external thing. It's, it has to do with your heart. Are you willing to say to him, come and heal me and invite him in? And then let him do business with whatever aspect of your life it is that he wants to do business with. It, it's not just in the church stuff. It'll be in all the other areas, the fishing, the the uh, recreation, your wallet, your bedroom, your work, your ethics, all of that stuff. And what you'll find is that his way is so much better. See, it is good news. The reason Jesus was going around is because he was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. It's what we need. Let's invite him to heal us. Would you pray with me? Jesus, you are so holy and other, and we are aware of our unworthiness. But you love us, and we need you. So I pray for each one of us that you'd give us the courage to invite you into those other places in our lives. Come, Lord. We need you. I pray this in your holy name. Amen.